Welcome to episode 015 of the Bit Beacon broadcast. It's still December 26, 2023. This is our first episode of the new year, uh, but it is pre-recorded. Yes. But uh, the usual guys are here. You got myself, Kodaks. Ravenheart, Rick for short. And uh, we're going to jump straight in uh, to what have we been buying? You been buying much of anything? No. Um, well, my Castlevania arrived. Oh, you yeah, did get your Castlevania yeah, already. Did. Yeah, did you get yours? No, I think I maybe bundled it with some other non-related oh, thing, gotcha. so I'm going to so wait. It's delayed. Yeah, which cover did you get? Uh... Shoot, I didn't know there were multiple covers. So yeah, uh, this is the Castlevania Advance Collection, yes, right? Yeah. With all the GBA games Correct. on it. Uh, uh, oh, so it's like that? Okay, mine must have been Circle of the Moon. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. That's the one, it's like kind of like a very anime looking. Yeah, well, the character has like short blonde hair. Yeah. Um, I wish I got Aria of Sorrow, because right. that's my favorite. Yeah. But I think they let you select Uh-oh. a drop down and pick which one you wanted. They didn't for me. You maybe just went with the default. Okay. Oh, well. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Um, I have had a few... I had a limited run order show up today, actually. And then I had a couple other pickups over the last week that I got as well. Mm-hmm. I'll start real quick with the limited run order that came in. The first game I have is The Rumblefish 2. Which is kind of like some obscure fighting game, my understanding. Um, it was made by, excuse me, Dimps, um, who you may know as the makers of the Sonic Advance games. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know, I thought the art was pretty nice, and I'm kind of into like... It's got that SNK look. It does have sort of an SNK look to it, for sure. Um, I thought, you know, like, why not Why not pick this up? Yeah. Interesting title to have in the collection. Um, and I like the heritage of, uh, you know, the developer. My copy of River City Girls 2 finally showed up. Of course, after After I just attended two Two, different events events with the developer where I could have had it signed. Um, so thanks limited run for really getting the timing on that one. Right now, my understanding is that River City Girls 2 and the Rumblefish 2 have been shipping for months. Mm -hmm. The game that was holding my order up. Is this game right here, Radiant Silver Gun, uh, um, which is, I believe, a, a port of like a Saturn shoot 'em up or something. Okay, it's made by Treasure, who's known basically like the premier developer of like shoot 'em up games in Japan. Okay, um, and so I guess there were, there was some trouble uh, getting this port just right, but they eventually got there with it. Um, I think it came out on PS4 as well as. Uh, nintendo switch mm-hmm. um and so it's nice to finally have this one um shoot 'em ups are like i think the last time this game released was on like xbox 360 arcade okay so this game hasn't been available modern platforms in a long long time um so cool to have this back i would and, play it on saturn yeah i mean i don't want to say definitively that it was on saturn but um i feel like it was on a sega console back in the day okay. at some point Gotcha. But uh, that's just me kind of talking out of my butt. Kind of, it could be Sega CD, yeah. I guess. I do know for sure that it did release on, like, Xbox 360 Arcade, oh, though. Okay. 
Um, and I think this is a port of the Xbox 360 version, oh, which it. was developed by Treasure, and it had like some extra features that weren't available in the other version, or the original version. Cool. Um, and then at Target, I had recently got a $10 gift card to Target, and a new Samba de Amigo game came out from Sega. Mm-hmm. This one titled Party Central. It was on sale for fifteen bucks, and with my gift card, I was like, "I can, I can spend five bucks on this." Yeah. Um, so I picked this up. I think it's like a, a rhythm uh, game, you know, to use like Donkey Konga right. kind of thing. Right. Um, and uh, you know, I, I I was shocked to hear that there was a new Samba de Amigo game. I don't think there's been one in a really long time, but you know, Sega's trying to yeah bring back its older IP. Um, and, I don't know if this was part of their plan. This particular maybe one. not this particular. I think. It was like Xbox 360 era that I think Samba de Amigo, like like that kind of time period where mm-hmm. this character was like kind of more of a thing. Um, and then another game I picked up, something I've been wanting to pick up for a while, but I just didn't grab it at full price because I know that this publisher tends to discount their games after a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is Anonymous Code, and I got it came just with a launch edition, a launch edition. Which has the original game in and like a full steel book. Yeah, so the steel book is separate from the actual game case. It's like a bonus item attached, mm-hmm. um, and it comes in this nice kind of like thick uh, sleeve around the the two, the steel book and the game case. Yeah, like a cardboard box. Yeah, and this is um, part of the. It's a uh, visual novel, mm-hmm. but like an adventure game. Um, set in the the science adventure series, which means it's uh, kind of related, set in the same universe as the Steins Gate series and some other uh, oh, okay. visual novel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm a big fan of Steins Gate, uh, and there's like Robotics Note, and now we have Anonymous Code, and so I'm excited to check this out. I've been really wanting to play it. I love all those games. Cool. And so, yeah, I had a few pickups, some some things I bought, you know, like more than a year ago and just finally getting here, but it's nice to receive them. That's, yeah, that's a good haul. Yeah. Um, um, I'll switch, too. Nothing for, yeah. I don't normally buy, I don't know, I just, I want to have a cartridge. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't I, know, I, 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 lo- I like that more I than having it. a disc. I do get it. Yeah. Um. A lot of those are kind of relevant to some of the topics I wanted to talk yeah. about today. Um, so, uh, one thing I want to bring up uh, is just the overall topic of the retro gaming boon. And, um, you know, what's old is new again, and what's old is cool again. Yep. And um, I just want to unpack that and kind of examine what caused it, where is it going, Um New ways to play old games, including emulators. You have the analog pocket yourself, yep. um, which allows you to play the original cartridges. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yes. Um, and not to mention, you know, just old consoles and those games selling at massive prices. Yeah. Prices in some cases. Games that I picked up at Game Crazy and GameStop back in the day for five bucks. Yeah. Like Sonic and Knuckles on Genesis. I bought it for five dollars. It's worth, I don't know what, but way more. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, I just think about when GameCube games were like dirt cheap. Yeah. Like when you used GameCube games, you could get like Paper Mario for ten bucks. Yeah. And now that game is worth like 
like over a hundred dollars. I think on GameCube, the most expensive game is a college basketball game. Right. Uh, forgot the title. It's ridiculously. Yeah, they priced. made like a thousand copies of it right. or something like that. But one in particular is uh, Dance Dance Revolution Mario Mix mm. uh, goes for insane hundreds of dollars. Yeah, because people want like maybe they don't collect all every game for the GameCube, but they want like every Nintendo or every Mario right. game. So like that means they gotta have the DDR Mario game. There are retro game collectors that want just all Mario titles yeah. or all Mega Man titles yeah. and that kind of thing. They have so, like a sub sort of collection it, thing that they want to yeah, go for. Exactly. Um but yeah, if we look at and especially certain consoles have taken off too. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like it's almost like a timing thing. Mm-hmm. It's like when the the main target audience of the original console gets to be a certain age starts having expendable income yeah then they're like oh man remember, i love that remember my nes yeah yeah so why don't we just take this from the top here though yeah go for it um what well, do you what do you think caused this i mean i feel like i just kind of said what i think sort of causes it yeah okay people um, growing up but i mean they're Kind of work. There is at least one past generation prior to our generation that mm-hmm. I don't know if they grew up with gaming, but they had games as kids, as teenagers at least, um, and that didn't really happen with them. Um, yeah, when you look at a lot of like NES games, mm-hmm. I mean, are there some valuable ones? Sure, but like they don't seem to have the value that like the preceding like the sixteen bit. Or the 32-bit, like, gaming generations have. I don't know. I feel like NES collectors, uh, like... Like a loose copy of Super Mario Brothers is like $5. Right. That's just because they're everywhere. There's like, you know, Um, 100 million copies of the game. But if you think about, like, World Championship, you know... I mean, that's not a retail cartridge, Right, it's not. But it's a good example of, like, something on a console that's like millions of dollars which it wouldn't have been maybe i mean uh, not millions yeah. but like twenty five thousand. yeah <laughs> <laughs> big difference but yeah. um you get what i'm saying like that wouldn't have been worth that when we were kids when no. game crazy was around no it might have been worth a bit well so it's like well then what okay kids so kids today mm-hmm. where we're at right now so they got Switch, PS5, you know, Xbox Series X, whatever. Right. Um, do you think? I think there's gonna be. I think there's gonna be less. I think. I think Nintendo will always retain some sort of like high value. Yeah. Interest sure. for people. Uh, but I mean, when you look at, we were just talking about how kids want less and less physical games today. That's true, yes. For Christmas, you know, like, physical games are at the bottom of the list. That, like, only, like, 20% of kids wanted a physical game for Christmas. Right. So it's like, I do wonder when they're in their mid-20s, early 30s, are they going to be interested in hunting down their favorite games? Or, like, you know, expanding their collection? Completing their collection? Probably not, seeing that they're interested in convenience over Mm -hmm. preservation. But also that all the games they grew up with were digital download. Initially. Yeah. Yeah. Or they had the option to at least download them digitally. Right. Um, So, yeah, and I I don't see Gen Z and Gen Alpha really caring as much about Genesis 
as people who grew up no. with Genesis. You know, that's why this, like, va- the value of a lot of these things is, like... Speculative? Speculative and just, like, of the moment. Because 30 years from now, you know, we're going to be in our 60s. Mm-hmm. People older than us are going to be older or dead. You're right. And then it's, like... Then these games that were valuable, the amount of people who are around to care about them right. is going to diminish. Yeah, that's so true. So it's yeah. like then those games will then people won't even value them at anything because right. no one will have even known them. And the speculators who kind of jumped on the bandwagon and suddenly got interested in this stuff after the fact, you know, after it started going yeah. up and okay, let's got popular. hold on a hundred years from now. Mm-hmm. They're going to be, there's going to be a small, there's going to be a barely, well, let's just assume everything's fine and the world is still spinning. Okay. Um, humanity hasn't destroyed itself. Right. Um, there's going to be like teenagers who are like, oh, I'm into games from, you know, 1990. Right. I, isn't that like kind of crazy to think about? hundred year old games. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's um, what they're playing. Like that's what they're into. I think there's enough people who are interested in preserving this kind of stuff. Oh, it'll that, be, or it'll be able to be found. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that's a crazy thought for sure. Yeah. Getting back to what caused this though. I will, you know, when this whole kind of speculative bubble started taking off, I noticed a lot more people. Well, when did this happen? Early pandemic, right? Twenty twenty. Um, it, it it went up in price. I feel then. like that's when games See, got nuts. I I don't. I think it started before that. I think it started before that. Okay. But I do think twenty twenty pandemic like gave it another second wind yeah. of you know price raising prices. Um, but and there's a few factors there. One is the pandemic and everyone being at home for sure. Um, The other thing I think, or at least prior to it, is, you know, the whole situation with WADA and Heritage Auctions kind of just... So yeah, for those of you that don't know, people can get, you know, like people grade their comic books. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something that's been happening for years. And more recently, it's become more popular to grade video games. Yeah. Um, And so people have been grading video games. And then during the pandemic, I think, is when that one Mario game went for like $1.2 million or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, it was something, it was like a box copy of Super Mario World or something like that. But it was like some slightly alt, like there was something different about that, like Mario's hand was underneath the word Mario, or like the letters, or like instead of in front of it or something like that. I don't remember that part. I just remember it being a sealed copy of like Mario 64. No, it was I think it was the NES. Oh, okay. It was like this Mario Three. Is... Oh, yeah. Mario, okay. Yeah. Different case. Yeah, and like it sold for like a million dollars, and it got like news coverage like yeah. everywhere. It was People like were a like, million or two million or something. Yeah, like that. something just absolutely ridiculous. And yeah, so that, and you know, her the the two parties involved in that whole thing, Heritage Auctions and WADA, they pushed. WADA they, being the grading company. Right. WADA is the grading company. Heritage Auctions is a auction, auction house that the CEOs were good friends. Yeah, and they were cahoots. close. And they were in cahoots. Um, both they feed of, off each other. Both of them appeared on an uh, episode of Pawn Stars mm. where the WADA CEO, I wish I had their names in front of me now, um, was the expert who came into 
you know, and the other CEO of Heritage Auctions was the customer. Oh, I wonder how yeah, much yeah. this is worth. Yeah, and so, yeah. Basically, well, hey, I got my friend out back. He can help you out. Yeah, it was kind of like that. Like, I have a guy, you know. And Let me call him in. Yeah. And that was done by them to yeah. make, like, you know. Artificial. Ar- ar- yeah, artificial interest. prices for yeah. this stuff. Um, you know, there were a lot of instances where stuff was not right. Um, and I think them just churning retro game prices started the, like, I think that started this upward slope. And that would have been in before the pandemic. That would have been, what, 2018, 19? Okay. Maybe. I thought it was like 2017 at least. But anyways, um, yeah. So We've since seen prices fall. Yeah. I mean, to some extent. Yeah. Like these extraordinary million dollar games are now selling for like $10,000. Yeah. In like that kind of condition. Right. And like grade. Now, that said, there are still rare consoles. Like yeah. there's a list of like the 20 rarest consoles oh, yeah. ever made. And I mean... And, and stuff like that <clears throat> will always be expensive. Definitely. And like even... Even though games aren't at their pandemic highs, they're mm. still higher than they were, like, pre-pandemic. Right, oh, yeah. 100%. And still to get into collecting for certain consoles, I mean, it's... You're lo- you're looking to spend a lot of money. Yeah, the um, the Funtech Super ACAN console, without cables or hookups or controller or anything, goes for a thousand-some dollars. Games for it can range from 300 to 700 for loose cartridges. Um, an extra controller still in its packaging goes for around 300 to 400. Wow. Um, but that is a rare console. Like, that was done by a company in Thailand that was going to be their answer to, like, the Super Nintendo. And they ended up dismantling, like... Have you heard of the Mega Duck? Yeah. I'm, it's like, yeah, a, it's a, it's like a, a Chinese it's Game like, Boy yeah, or something Chinese like Game that. Chinese Game Boy, and then there's the tiger boy or something like that that looks identical to it yeah um yeah the mega duck even that kind of stuff is like up in value yeah because people want it because it's unique you know yeah i can uh the through the analog pocket which is this device that's specifically made to play old games Mm -hmm. either via cartridge or via the special fpga that cores that you can load onto the console yeah it's like it's not quite an emulator it's something else it's kind of like a hard thing it's like it simulates the hardware yeah within like yeah you can't really call that an emulator it is actually playing the original cartridge data as it would be played on real hardware right uh just with like a modern screen attached to it instead um they have yeah they you can do like the mega duck on there you can do all kinds of things and it's totally like community like driven right that's a big thing about like the retro gaming community mm-hmm. is that it is very much Co- community. collaborative yeah. and stuff yeah it's people like do open source projects and just doing things out of the good of like preservation one website that i use a lot is sega retro and these guys have acquired Boxes and cartridges and manuals for all Genesis titles, all uh, Saturn titles, uh, Sega CD, mm-hmm. Game Gear, which is what I use it mainly for. Um, and they have high-res scans, 
of the, nice. the French box, the English box, you know, um, the whole manual, every page. Yeah. And they've preserved that kind of stuff. That's awesome. They only focus on Sega, but I use them a lot. Yeah. I mean, like, things like that are, like, awesome, but it's like, I hope all that stuff is backed up on, like, the Internet Archive mm-hmm. and other places, too, because yeah. if, like, that website goes down for some reason, it's like, all of a sudden, right. no one has access to it anymore, unless... They all downloaded it and they got to like piece it back together. Again. Right. Um, I'm, I guarantee yeah, those that guys. community yeah. definitely would have backups. Uh, and then there's Atari age for, you know, Atari and they do more than Atari. They focus on consoles from that era. Yeah. Um, another symptom of, I think the increase in retro gaming interest is the homebrew scene. Yeah. You know, that's just homebrew and ha- ROM hacks and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Like, ROM hacks can bring, like, new life to, like, a game you've already played a thousand times. Right. And people dumping ROMs off of procured uh, demo carts and, yeah. and prototype yeah, you cartridges. you can, like, find all kinds of... Like, the version of the game from before the release. Exactly. Or, like, the, the demo variant that was in on the on-store cartridge, or the in-store cartridge that, like, has, like, maybe different content or content that never made it into the game or an abbreviated experience. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, now but, some of this is kind of an illegally gray kind of area. Yeah, I think there is a law or something where after it's 10 years old, you can't really go after people so much. Or I'm not uh, sure. I mean, after Nintendo would probably yeah. have something to say about they. They're you know they're constantly trying to take down ROM hosts and stuff still to this day. Yeah, well, their attorneys pretty much make laws. I mean, yeah, I think they give like. Nintendo gives their attorneys carte blanche to like, yeah. just do whatever they want, you know? Um, but I'm sure they give them instruction, like, you know, don't mm-hmm. let anybody. Yeah. Uh-oh. Well, I mean, you know, say what you want about Nintendo for going after people, but at least they, whether you agree with their distribution methods or not, mm-hmm. they still honor their heritage. They still make it a part of their identity yeah, today. Yeah, they still value their properties enough to want to protect protect them. them even though like a rom is like the easy like a game boy yeah. rom or a an nes rom is like the easiest thing in the world to distribute and yeah it is and they've i mean they've been quite brutal in there yeah you know I mean, some people have paid hefty prices yeah. but i mean some of these people have also been making millions of dollars off of nintendo's ips through ad revenue and stuff on these scummy yeah but ROM some sites. haven't and have been hit with bills like that mm-hmm. um but yeah, the retro gaming scene has just really been crazy over the past five, six years. Yeah. It, and it kind of stinks because getting into it, like now there's a barrier of entry. Oh, a huge barrier. I mean, there is if you want to do it physically. Yeah. If you're just someone who wants to Play explore it and, yeah, you know, there's the pirate method and it's free. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean... I don't even know if it's a pirate thing. I mean, if it's for preservation, for storing ROMs and well, stuff. Well, I think legally, if you own a game, you can dump your own ROM. Right. Like You just can't no- distribute it. You're not supposed to distribute it. Now, some people kind of get around it where it's like, well, maybe I don't have a thing to dump my own ROMs, but I own this game, so I'm going to download a ROM I found somewhere else. Right. And then they kind of maybe justify it that way. And then you just have people who yeah, don't give 
and they just download whatever they want whenever they want and play whatever they want at all times. You're right. And I mean, when you're you're talking about you know twenty, thirty, forty year old games, I don't know. Part of me is just like let let people do it. There's, right. there's no money to be made on these anymore. And yeah, exactly. Basically, yeah. everyone's case, but maybe Nintendo's. Right. Um. So just. You know, you can't fight it. As soon as you shut down one site, another site will pop up. Right. Yeah, It's you, there's no stopping it. All you got to do is literally go to Google and just type in, you know, Pokemon Red ROM. Right. And then it'll a it'll, hundred websites will come up. And, you you know, um, parties make, you know, the Evercart and stuff like that where mm-hmm. you can load the ROMs. EverDrive. Onto, yeah, EverDrive, yeah. yeah. Uh, you load the ROMs onto the original... Exactly, hard, and hardware. play it on real hardware. Right. Yeah. EverDrive is actually an awesome thing. I think it's made in... It's made by some Ukrainian guy, I want to say. Yeah. Um, I, I know it came from Europe. Yeah. And uh, every year he does, like, a sale where he puts, like, the cartridges, like, 50% off or something, like, yeah. right around Christmas. And it, so people are always, like, waiting to buy it. But they're expensive. They're, like, $100 each. Yeah. They're not cheap. Yeah. But um, he makes different sizes. Oh, yeah. He does, like, everything. Yeah. Like, every console, every handheld yeah. you can think of. Um, I mean... I kind of want to get one... Okay, so Analog... Because, sorry. Analog, ahead. the company who's who made the Analog Pocket that plays the Game Boy games, mm-hmm. they're making an FPGA N64. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And I kind of want to get the N64 EverDrive just so I... Because my N64 collection is only, like, 20 cartridges at most Mm -hmm. and there's a great library to explore there but n64 games are like yeah they're really they're like 60 to 100 dollars for anything decent and that that stinks yeah you know yeah i don't i wish it wasn't that way it's kind of a problem in a way so at least if you get like an everdrive and you load the game onto it you're still playing it on you know yeah the real hardware even if it is it's a ROM file on a cartridge just the same way the original is. It doesn't satisfy you as a collector, no, but it satisfies as you as a gamer. Exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, are there any like old retro games that you would replay or want to play for the first time that you can um, think of? Off the top of my head, I mean, I maybe mentioned this on another episode. I mean, I like to play through one of the Game Boy Pokemon games like once a year yeah. at least. Um, and then when it comes to reap or like playing something new Mm -hmm. i mean when it comes to game boy that's like i wish new games would just stop yeah 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 because i just want to go back and play old games you can make it stop you can just stop going for them i know but it's like there's a new pokemon game every other year yeah i want to play that you know right um but no i i especially i want to dive more into uh the Final Fantasy series ones that I've missed and Dragon Quest. I want to spend, I want to do, I guess one one old Dragon Quest and one old Final Fantasy. I'm gonna make that my goal for 2024. Okay. There you go. I did Final Fantasy two this year. I didn't play any new Dragon Quest. I know Dragon Quest Monsters uh, for Switch. The new Dragon Quest Monsters game just came out recently. Mm-hmm. I want to play the first one on Game Boy next year. Okay. Yeah, and I've got the de- the perfect device to do it on. I own the cartridge. Yeah. Um, I had it as a kid. You yeah. know, I had Dragon Quest Two or Dragon Quest Monsters Two. Toby and Tara. Mm-hmm. They had like the they went for like a red and blue version kind of thing with that game. Yeah, and um, 
I definitely want to play that as well or with those as well. And so I just gotta, I gotta sit down and do it. Yeah. No yeah. excuses. I gotcha. I have a few, um, that I think about often enough. Okay. Um, Bluing Blitz on the Wonderswan color okay. is a game developed by Enix back in the day. It's a tactical turn-based strategy game, but with like World War One planes. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And it the characters look... I think it's the Dragon Quest artist. That Akira did, Toriyama? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, like, we're I'm talking not, old stuff. I wonder if there's like a... A uh, like a ROM translation or something for it. Uh, I'm sure you can find it. Analog Pocket plays. Uh, I don't Wonder want Swan that. Game. I want to play it on the Wonder Swan. Okay, well, I'm saying like I I could have access to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if there was a ROM hack, I could easily. Another one is Clay Fighter Sculptor's Cut, which is the special edition, basically release of sixty three and a third but with, like, five characters that weren't included or were cut from that. Okay. And um, I want that game. That's the rarest game on uh, 64. Okay. So it's the most expensive one that you can buy. Um, Hundreds of dollars. Was that the, like, Blockbuster only one? Yes. Yeah, it was only available at Blockbuster. So, you know, you had to rent it. (laughs) So, naturally, copies are rare. I'm sure someone had the foresight back then to be like, well, let me just claim I lost it and pay the $50 fee or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know that Clay Fighter was ever like a hugely popular franchise. Um, Regrettably, because it was my first game on Genesis. Yeah. That was my first game I ever owned. Um, So yeah, Clay Fighter. What's the origin of you getting that game as your first game? My eighth birthday. Okay. I got the Sega Genesis Nomad okay. with Clay Fighter. Who picked Clay Fighter? My, who played? Picked. Oh, picked. My parents. So they had no idea. Yeah, they just bought They're me. They're just like, uh, let's get that one. Well, he knows, I, they know that I'm like into martial arts and stuff, oh, so okay. a fighting game okay. makes sense. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, that was how I got my first game and my first game console. And that's when everything changed. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, so Clay Fighter is pretty near and dear to me. Um, that's the one game I haven't played in the franchise. There's also Judgment Clay on, uh, it's Clay Fighter 2 Judgment Clay on Super Nintendo. I guess I should mention that. Okay. I haven't played that. Um. I mean, there's, there's like too many to count. Yeah. Like old games I would like to play. Yeah. Like when I say play, I want to actually like. Not boot them up for ten for ten minutes right. ago. That was neat. Just sample it. Yeah, yeah I want to actually like dive into these games. Right. There's a lot of um, like side scroll platformers on Genesis and stuff. I want to play. Some of them are really difficult and mm-hmm. will take like a lot of time to beat. But you know, all right. I want to touch on some hostility from a moment ago from you. Sure. You seem to be very hostile to anything that is not original hardware and original cartridge. I don't think hostile is the right word. I Dude, you got like violent for no, a second. No, I didn't. <laughs> You're like, I don't want that. You're playing it up. Um, yeah, that's not for me. Okay. I think it's pathetic, to be honest, to play games on new, new hardware. Pathetic. Like, pathetic. So that's where that sounds like... Very condescending. Yeah, it's judgmental. It's absolutely... And why is I that... Will, I will judge you. Okay, but why is that 
But it's like, you could either never play that game, mm-hmm. or you could play it. On that. Yeah. No, there are other options. You can get the original hardware. Yeah, but I'm and saying... play it like a man. You don't have the money to do that, though, because some of these games are like $10,000 or whatever. Yeah, okay, if you're playing it on a ROM, I guess that would be the way to go. So you'd rather play it on a ROM than play it on something that actually simulates, like, real hardware? Well, your ROM is going on the cartridge that you're going to put into your analog pocket. So okay. Put your ROM on an EverDrive right. and then put it in your analog pocket. Okay. Or play it on whatever console it's on if sure. you have that console. Yeah, like I have, um, like the analog pocket has like an SD card where you can load ROMs, mm-hmm. but I also have a, a a Game Boy Color cartridge that I can flash yeah. with Game Boy and Game Boy Color games. Right. So essentially like I'm playing it on a real cartridge. I guess the way I feel about it comes from just people doing stuff out of convenience. Uh And, you know, I just... I mean, for me, it's a cost-saving thing. I get it. Um, And that's fine. Especially with games that you otherwise wouldn't have access to. Like, if you wouldn't have access to it, that would be the way to do it. Okay. But games that you would have access to, but you... You're too lazy to get the hardware. I mean, I have a Game Boy. I could play things on my Game Boy. Right. That's your Game Boy, but, you know. Like, for me, it's like the whole, like... We were talking about Wonderswan Color when that came up, so I don't know why you're talking about Game Boy. Well, okay, well, you're, you're bringing up a scenario where... Saying, so, I have an analog pocket. It plays Game Boy games with cartridges. Right. And I have a Game Boy, which plays Game Boy games with cartridges. Yes. So, you're telling me I should never play a Game Boy game on my analog pocket. I should only play it on a Game Boy. If you have the cartridge and you have a Game Boy, Mm -hmm. yeah, I would say play it on that. That's the most authentic thing you could do. Um, You're right. It is the most authentic thing you could do. Right. For me, it is not the most enjoyable way to play it. For me, like, the whole, like, having to, like, sit underneath the light that's shining just And that's where we differ. That's where we differ, because the game was developed to be played on that machine, with all of its faults. Right. Okay? And with all of its inconveniences. I mean, the the analog pocket will simulate those faults in some... Like you can, nah, you can you're get, making excuses. Now. You can get you're making the, stuff. Up. You can get the barf green look. You can you can do all of that. Yeah, they have filters on the analog pocket. That's not the same thing. But I mean, they're filters that are they're simulating how it ran on real hardware. It's not just like a, an overlay that goes over it. You're saying that it calculates the game visual output differently. That's what they claim. Okay. Cool. I mean, that's neat. Yeah. You go tinker with that. I'm going to play it on the original hardware in the most authentic way possible, the way that the people who created the game were developing it. Okay. That's And that's just how, yeah, I'm opinionated. You're inflexible. Yeah. I'm, yes. I'm like Disney <laughs> when it comes to that. Um, but yeah, I if I'm going to pursue playing a Wonderswan color game, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out, get myself a Wonder Swan Color, mm-hmm. so I, I can play a Wonder Swan Color game on it. But it's a, in Japanese, you can't even understand the game. That's the way it was created. I'll have to... That's my problem. Right. That's not the game's problem. 
You but, know, I mean, would you say, does not understanding the language get in your way of potentially enjoying a game to its fullest? Well, y- yes, obviously. Okay. Um, if there are fan translations online, I'll play with that. But, so, how are you playing with a fan translation on original hardware? Having paper next to you or having a computer screen so or a So, typically, phone when someone to... refers to a fan translation, they're referring to a patch right. that's applied a patch or wrong. To, yeah, I don't play with that. Okay. Because that's modifying the game file. Right. And, no. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I enjoy homebrew games. I enjoy mods. You know, when I'm playing a homebrew game or a mod, but when I'm trying to get into an original title... No, so, isn't I, I a want... fan translation just a mod for a game, essentially? Yeah, but I don't want to play a mod. Okay. I'm not trying to go out play a mod. I'm trying to go play an original game. So, I'm going to go... Pl- pursue the original file okay so pokemon the the officially english released version of like pokemon red and blue is not what the version of the game that the japanese creators made no but it's an official version that was released in north america that's not the same thing but i mean it features like censored characters that that again that's a mute point because what i just said that's an official version released by the creator that made it by the publisher. By the publisher that made it. Okay. Same thing. Right. I mean... I'm just trying to gauge where your lines are drawn. You're not going to win this argument. I'm not trying to win... There's no winning this argument right. for either of us. We both just have our own opinion. Um, I think if you're going to play, play authentic. And you can play your analog pocket. Like, I can't tell you how to play games. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you how to play games. I, I'm just trying to... I'm just trying to figure out where you draw the line in the sand and what is like acceptable and unacceptable to you okay um i'm i enjoy mods i enjoy homebrew titles Mm -hmm. and i'm fine with playing those if i want to play a mod you know okay but if i'm trying to experience an old retro game title like blue wing blitz sure i like my ideal scenario is to have the original cartridge Box and manual, if I can swing that. Sure. And the original console. Okay. And that's how I would... My most ideal way of playing that game is that. Okay. And regardless of convenience or my own laziness or not wanting to do all that work, that's all excuses. That's the most authentic way to experience that game. I would agree with you that it's the most authentic way, but I don't think it's fair to call people lazy. Yeah, I I figured you wouldn't because that would be calling you lazy because you use this stuff. Um, Yeah, okay. I mean, that's fine. I mean, that's like saying anyone who plays anything anywhere but the very first console the thing was ever produced for is some, like, lazy person. Um... The reason that people play these ROMs and stuff, you know, do this kind of stuff, for the most part, you're making a cost argument, but it's really a convenience thing for most people. I mean, I don't think it's like they're considering, like, oh, I could play this on the real thing, or I could just download it. I think they're just thinking, like, oh, there it is. Like, I don't think they're they're weighing it in their head before they go to their favorite ROM site and download a game. Right. Well, if they're just used to playing games on ROM... Right. 
like, that's when where they were a kid. That's the first place they're going to look. Their cousin said, hey, you can find all these old games here. And so they're never thinking right. that, like, oh, let me break out my Wonder Swan. Well, that's, you know, that's on them. <laughs> like, you know. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I just, as a purist, I guess, I, yeah, give me the original hardware, original cartridge. Um, and if I have to trans have like a translation on my phone next to it, I'll play that way. Um, and I think that, yeah, while I could play, experience it with better lighting and what have you, um, and there are ways of doing that. This is the hardware that the developer developed the game on, you know, this is like the this is how it was intended for me to experience it. Okay. By the creator. I mean, that was not... Ne- I mean, I would argue that maybe the creator was like, okay, I got this job to make this game for this console, so I have limitations. Yeah, I'm but- not going to try to think about what the creator was thinking. Uh, this is how it was released. This okay. is how they put it in the world. Okay. This is how it was manifested. Okay. I'm not going to try to, like perceive their their mind because i'm sure in some of their heads they were not thinking that the game looked like this they were thinking well you know older games you had to use your imagination more and more yeah of course yeah so you know now imagination is stolen from the player yeah uh, because everything is presented in such yeah in realistic high definition 4k yeah you know all that um yeah uh so what's the problem this is just more of that i uh, know i just you know i just want everyone to know where you stand that's fine uh yeah i'm a purist when it comes to retro games especially i'm a purist with all physical console games but yeah retro games you'll you'll find that i'm unapologetically a purist mm-hmm. um but uh that's fine if you want to play stuff on your analog pocket you go right ahead that's your prerogative um that's fine um but so speaking of retro games and retro titles um dormant franchises are something i i wanted to discuss okay um recently sega you know really kind of publicly unveiled their plan at the game awards to bring back their old franchises you know and In a modern way, yes. like Crazy Taxi. Imagine Grand Theft Auto V or something Yeah. in Crazy Taxi world. Um, that's what I envision, at least. Right. Uh, that's and, where your brain went. Right, that's where, yeah. Yeah. And then um, same with their all their other stuff. Uh, I don't know how you would turn some of their side-scroll platformers. I guess just open-world adventure um, and that kind of thing. But um, we saw a lot of Sega franchises mentioned. Jet Set Radio, or um, yeah, Jet Set Radio. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what would be some franchises that you like would like to see a new installment, like modern, full blown um, installment? Okay, yeah, this is tough uh, because I didn't really get a chance to look too hard at these notes until not too long ago, so I didn't have too much time to think about this. Um, but if, I guess I'm going to go back to some games that I loved as like a child that, you know, just haven't seen the light of day. I'd love to see a new Gex game. Yeah, that's a good call. 
Yeah, you know, kind of in a similar vein of one of your picks there, a very tongue-in-cheek kind of fourth-wall-breaking silliness. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see a new Vigilante 8 game. Yeah, there you go. Um, You know, car combat. Mm -hmm. You know, the last time we've had, like, a real big car combat game was, like, the Twisted Metal on PS3, I think it was. Is is that the last? That's the last Twisted Metal, yeah. And which wasn't very well received which is disappointing to hear um so yeah i feel like it's been a long time since we've had like a that kind of a car combat game Mm -hmm. i know there's stuff there was carmageddon on 64 that i mean that's right but you know um there are other franchises that do that um let me see if i can think of one more dormant um god a dormant ip yeah Um, something that hasn't been touched by anybody Let's let's bring Croc back. There you go. Yeah, I should have put that one down on mine. There you go. Yes, Croc, please. Which you mentioned as being originally pitched to Nintendo as a Yoshi game. Yeah, by Argonaut. And then later became its own thing. It was Nintendo. retooled into yeah. Croc, yeah. So, and I, I had that on PS1. I think I had the second Croc game as well for PS1. When, Did they go beyond that, or was it just the two games? It was as uh, There was one on Game Boy Color, oh, which okay. was just Croc, I think. Okay. Um, I don't know if that was like a separate installment, or if that was just like a Game Boy version. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was really just... You know, games. it used to be that when there was like a home console version, mm-hmm. and like... A handheld version yeah they were like two totally different games right yeah very you know developed by different teams D- yeah in different companies cases. and you know that wasn't something you thought about when you were a kid yeah but like to me it was like i was like oh i want that one and i want and my mom would be like it's the same game I'm like, right no it's not no it's not <laughs> and um if you go even further back well i don't know if it's further back but sega master system to game gear yeah. were both 8-bit consoles um okay. so you would think that that just ported perfectly but it right. didn't and a lot of times it would be like i because i look at the credits for like the game gear games an individual who did, did the, the whole thing. thing yeah well you know i was at a river city i was at the river city girls event at gallery nucleus and mm-hmm. one of the guys there was someone who worked on game boy advance to engage ports mm. And he specifically ported like one of the the Sims games on Game Boy Advance. To I think en- it was the Engage? Sims busting out, and he po- he was the sole person responsible for porting it to Engage. The the official release. Yes, the official okay. Engage release. Gotcha. Um, and he also um, he added he, there was like original content added to the Engage version as well. Yeah. That he was like solely responsible. Like he did the whole thing. Yeah. And I mentioned that to him when he was there. I was like, oh, I was reading that you worked on the N-Gage. And I was like, there's probably not a lot of people can no. say that they worked on the no. N-Gage. And yeah, it's crazy to think an, an individual did the Sonic port of, right. you know, uh, to to Game Gear from Master System. Uh, the 8-bit Sonic. There's also the 16-bit Sonic for Genesis. Yeah. That's separate. Um, for me, though... I already mentioned Clay Fighter. Mm-hmm. I want to see a new Clay Fighter. I dream about like developing it myself sometimes. <laughs> Thinking about like online Clay as like a feature, and you know, just having like a modern fighter that is Clay Fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be awesome. Well, when was the last Clay Fighter? It was a Sculptor's Cut. Oh, the N sixty four one. 
Okay, so it's been yeah. 20 years now at least. Yep. Um, now, I know Interplay went out of business since. Mm, they and sold their IPs, Yeah, right? their IPs got auctioned. I don't know who bought them or if they're uh, still unclaimed. I don't know. But Clay Fighter, I believe, is in there. You're going to have to track Clay Fighter down. I don't know if the Earthworm Jim IP is in there. I know. Well, I, I think know. the IP is owned by the creator. Yes, but the game development rights. I mean, I, maybe the early games. I mean, we were supposedly getting a new right. Earthworm Jim. There's game a lot the, of confusion on my part, at least. And with, television Amico. Yeah. Which we'll never see the light no. of day. And that was that game never existed. We got yeah. like a little demo thing of him Where running. He walked back and forth. Yeah. As something that that was just guy a, whipped up in a weekend or whatever. A flash animation, yeah. basically. Um. Another one for me is Conquer. I want to see a new Conquer. Conquer is ripe for a return. Yeah. I don't see why not. But I mean, if we haven't gotten a new Banjo Kazooie game, mm-hmm. I don't think we're getting a new Conquer. No, you're right. Then. Yeah, I think Banjo Kazooie. That's a great example of a dormant oh, IP. Yeah, that oh, is like hundred percent. He just had a huge, big like welcome back in Smash a couple mm-hmm. years ago, and then nothing. He got an amiibo. Yeah. And then uh, Microsoft's doing nothing with it. Apparently Rare, who Microsoft owns mm-hmm. and like created Banjo Kazooie, um, just isn't interested. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> but like supposedly Microsoft gives like teams permission to do what they want. Yeah. Um, so I mean I don't know how true that is. I don't know if someone was like, Hey, we're really passionate about doing a Banjo Kazooie if they would just let anybody take Banjo Kazooie. Right. It kinda reminds me uh Senzaru Games uh, pitching to Sony a new Sly Cooper game mm-hmm. back in the late PS3 days. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Sony greenlit it. They were that impressed right. and we got a new Sly Cooper game. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, now Senzaru Games is owned by Meta and all they do is make uh, VR games. But yeah, that's, um, that stinks. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, that stinks. And for whatever reason, Sony's not interested in like trying to get bringing any of its mascots. Yeah. To like, I mean, we have Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. That's it. Um, All of their other like old school mascot IPs mm-hmm. are dormant, which really stinks because Sly Cooper is a great mascot oh, character. Yeah. Like he could be the face of PlayStation. Ape Escape. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. That's it. I found it. Ape I Escape. want Ape Escape to come back yeah. more than anything. I Ram- Rampage. They port or they. I wouldn't really... It was kind of a port of the original Ape Escape game for PS1. They Mm -hmm. put it out on PS5 last year. And I had a ball going through it. And I, like, actually, like, beat it this time. Yeah. Although I did, on a couple occasions, particularly the last boss, I had to abuse the rewind feature of the game Mm -hmm. to get through it because it was just excruciatingly hard. Um, but, uh, wow, so much great music in that game. Just the vibe, the, the monk, I love those monkeys with a little light on their head. Yeah. Ape escape. Um, one for me is Primal Rage. I didn't put it in my notes, but. Primal Rage. Primal Rage. Yeah, it's a fighting game on Genesis with, um, apes and dinosaurs. Okay. Uh, it's really brutal, like really graphic have you ever thought of collecting every fighting game ever made uh no no (laughs) i mean i've really thought about collecting every game game ever made okay so then i guess technically technically but um you know who's really working on that 
the founder of Limited Run Games, Josh. Yeah. He is seemingly after a complete inbox yeah, every I'm not, console. I'm not doing that. I'm doing my I think I feel like my collection is purposed differently than what most collectors are going for. Most collectors would want complete in box for like, you know, posterity and museum's sake. I don't think I think of my collection as less of a museum and more of like a laboratory. Hmm. Um because I'm interested in dumping ROMs. I'm interested in preserving and like tinkering with the data. Um, also looking into old games and stuff for mechanics, mm-hmm. you know, game mechanics. Um, so I see it as more of a, more of a thing, um, you know, like that. Yeah. I don't want them in boxes, you know. <laughs> well, um, you gotta like pull out the heart from the body, son. Yeah. You can keep your cardboard. That's fine. Um, steel books. There's that a, judgmental Rick we yeah, all know and I, love. Oh, yeah. Expect... <laughs> judgment from me when talking about retro games um i wanted to talk about steel books though real quick and I, I i happen to get a steel book yeah recently I have we it right have an example now this is so let's let's talk about steel books let's talk about how you do it wrong and how you do it right yeah 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 please because this so, is something that's made me mad okay in the past. so steel books are these aluminum or tin cases where the disc or the CD is inserted and it sort of becomes like a the it becomes like the retail game case for some games right or like special launch editions or collector's editions they won't have the normal plastic retail box with the sleeve artwork inside of it right they just have this uh, this tin case with uh, the cartridge or a disc inside of it and that's upsetting yeah for a collector for multiple reasons because while it was officially distributed in this case they're also selling like a standard edition that has like the artwork right. and the that, sleeve and matches your other games yeah on the shelf. and like a steel book like it doesn't fit in when you put them side by side they might be the right size yeah like they proportion it correctly and that's cool that's not just like some one one steelbook fits all kind of thing, right. I guess. I, I mean, I like like we have the Switch one right here. Like yeah. they actually made it they, the correct yeah. size. I mean, people, somebody is catching on. Somebody, some studios seem to understand the importance of having both. Yeah, and not just if I buy a hundred fifty dollar collector's edition that comes with the figurine and you know all yeah. this, I better get the basic case for the game yeah like if you want to give me a steelbook too cool that's a nice piece of memorabilia (laughs) as far as i'm concerned but i want that original standard case so for this uh, anonymous code uh game that i got earlier they packaged the game and the steelbook separately so like that's doing it right yeah that's like hey perfect here's the game here's this cool commemorative memorabilia bonus along with your game um enjoy yeah if you want to you can move the cartridge over to the steelbook if that's your thing mm-hmm. we give you the choice yeah it's perfect that's um, exactly how everybody who does steelbooks needs to be doing it yeah and square enix also does it that way they mm-hmm. tend to include in their deluxe editions that usually have the game and a little art book and some digital bonus goodies or whatever yeah. they tend to include the 
the game case and the steelbook as two separate things. Like we saw that with Final Fantasy VII Remake. We saw it with Final Fantasy XVI um, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's nice. But Nintendo has been inconsistent about this. Yeah. Sometimes they're collector's editions, which don't usually have a figure. And usually they're like 90 to to $100. And they mm-hmm. have like a, a nice hardcover art book and some other little bonuses. Um, sometimes they'll only have the steelbook with the game card inside of it. And you yeah. don't get a game case. Yeah. So then you find yourself in the position of wanting to spend an extra $60 yeah. to go buy the, the, just retail the, copy. the retail copy of the game. So you have that as well. Yeah. I've also seen cases that... The collector's edition gives you, I think you might have already mentioned this, a download code and a steel book. Yeah, no physical game what? whatsoever. Yeah, what is that? They give you a steel book that's meant to hold a disc or cartridge. Yeah. Well, generally this happens with disc-based games, I find. Yeah. Not so much cartridge games. You just get an empty steel book that you're, I guess you're just supposed to put on your yeah. shelf and go, that looks nice. Right. So then you got to go buy the game so you can actually put the disc inside of it. So we're, we're going to give you... A case for a disc and a download code. Yeah. And no disc. But the download code does fit inside the steelbook and the little part with the little prongs that holds onto it right. for you. So yeah. at least there's that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the publisher's hoping you're saying. Uh, it doesn't make any sense um, to do that. So yeah, that's that. It's really a love hate thing when it comes to steel books, at least for me. Yeah. Um, and I think you and I are on the same page with steel books um i wanted to ask you do you have a favorite steel book that you own my favorite steel book this is an easy one for me the european version of Link's awakening uh the remade version for switch mm-hmm. um got a special steel book only included with that version and it's literally the switch steel book is the perfect size for a Game Boy. Yeah. And so it's literally like a steel book that looks just like a Game Boy. It's got like the indentations. Like of they molded the. Wow. Yeah, with like the raised D pad, the raised buttons, That's the little cool. like dips where the buttons kind of are seated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has like the Link's Awakening like logo or something like that on the steel book, like where the, where the green screen would be. Gotcha. And it's just like. It's, it's the best steel book ever made as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, my favorite Steelbook that I own is the PS2 version of Mortal Kombat Armageddon. Had a Steelbook. Okay. When all when Mortal Kombat Armageddon came out, all the different versions... This is PS2? PS2. So Steelbooks were young yeah, then. Yeah, they were, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Xbox, GameCube, and PS2 all had... Or it was a Wii title. Okay. It wasn't on GameCube, I don't think. Um, but they all had steel books that had a different pair of characters Mm -hmm. on the, on the cover. One was in the foreground, one was in the background and the characters they picked had, were like, had rivalries or, you know, like it was Goro and, um, Johnny Cage on mine. I like that one. Oh, so there were multiple steel books for this? Yeah. Oh, wow. But it was, I think different consoles had a different steel book. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, so Scorpion and Sub-Zero, Johnny Cage and Goro, I forget who the other one was. That um, reminds me of Cyberpunk 
they at Best Buy when you pre-ordered the game, you would get one of four different steel books, just like mm-hmm. added onto your order for yeah. free. So it's like if you wanted all four steel yeah, books, you, you had to, to like order the game four times or more than four times because you never know which one they give you. You know, they might get all four the same one if you ordered it four times. Right. See, this was a little different because if I'm correct, it was like the Xbox had its own steel book. Okay. PS2. That's a little different. Yeah. At least you're buying a right. different game for a different console. I have an interesting Steelbook story for you. Go for it. Um, no Man's Sky comes out. Mm-hmm. I buy the deluxe or little limited edition that comes bundled with a Steelbook. Mm-hmm. And I find that my Steelbook, one of the little spots near the, the side where you close the case isn't really clicking like it's not clicking closed Mm -hmm. and so i'm like what the heck i have a defective steelbook yeah it doesn't close so i'm like who makes steelbooks so i look and it's this like company called scanovo s-c-a-n-v-o yeah and i do some digging and i find like a contact (laughs) (laughs) okay i find a contact email for them and I think they're originally, like, somewhere in Europe, like, Eastern Europe or something oh, like really? that. Um, I think maybe they now have, like, a, a plant in the U.S. that makes steelbooks as well. Mm-hmm. But originally, I think they were all from Europe. And um, so I sent an email. I'm like, hey, I have, I bought the No Man's Sky Collector's Edition and I got this defective steelbook. Um, it's like, is there anything you guys can do for me? And I get an email back a few days later. Like, oh, hey, I still have a couple production samples. Let me send you one. Mm-hmm. And so, sent, in the mail, yeah, I get, well. like, a production sample for the No Man's Sky wow, that's Steelbook. Cool. That's cool. Is, yeah. it, is, is there any different markings on it? I mean, there's nothing that I could see that would indicate it was a production sample over a mass-produced sample. Yeah. But um, I got the email from them that says yeah. it was a production sample. Gotcha. Um, so I thought that was very generous of the people at Scanovo. Yeah, it definitely was. That's cool. Um, uh, let's see here. So, um, let's take a break actually. Okay. Let's take a break. All right. So I was thinking I wanted to talk to you about a game that I have played in the past. Um, you've been playing this off and on. Yeah. Off and on since it came out. It was a game that, when it came out, the pre-release marketing was intense. Off the charts. Off the charts. People, like, maybe the most hyped game in a long time. extremely hyped, and a lot of people were looking at it. It had a lot of eyes on it. Mm-hmm. You know, the art style, the theme, everything. A lot of people talking From about From the creators it. of the Witcher games? Yes. Um, that, of course, being... Uh, CD Projekt Red. Yes. And, um, of course, I'm talking about Cyberpunk 2077. Um, I was actually, when I was writing the notes for this episode, was listening to the soundtrack in my car. Mm. And that inspired The soundtrack? Yeah, the soundtrack's awesome. Where'd you get the soundtrack? I was listening to it on YouTube. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, there's one particular track, uh, Resist and Disorder. Oh, man. That song is just so good. It's like this industrial metal style, okay. KMFDM sounding. So I should I, mention that I have yet to play Cyberpunk 2077. Yes. So I am learning about the game alongside you, the audience. So I'll be explaining the Taylor. will be our guide. Answering his questions. Um, now, I should explain where I'm at in this game. Okay. 
It's a little bit of a unique situation. I haven't pursued the story part of this game hardly at all. Okay. But I have 120 hours in. Whoa. Yeah. So... I didn't know the game was that big. Yeah, it's huge. It's ridiculous. And as you move through the story, which I haven't done, more opens up. So more, like, you have Watson, your main area, and Kabuki Town and all that. And just that alone, like, the exploration is... I haven't even seen it all. And then, like, South Bay or whatever is going to open up after okay. after a certain point. And there's, like, four regions. So it's, like, four open-world games in one map. I feel like before you get into talking about the games too much, you mm -hmm. were talking about the release of the game and yeah. how hype and anticipated it was. Yes. What happened when the game came out? Um, well, the game had a lot of bugs. It was very glitchy. A lot of graphical problems. Particularly uh, on previous-gen consoles. Yes, so it came out at a time when we were in between PS4 and PS5. Correct. And it came out on PS4, and people playing it on the PS5 were experiencing, which was me, uh, were experiencing less issues, manageable issues. Right. Still, issues. I, I would see people inside out and <laughs> stuff floating. Like, I would see that. Right. Um, but people running it on PS4... They were experiencing, like, game-breaking yeah. stuff. It was unplayable yeah. on previous generation consoles. So, a big kind of letdown, I guess, you know, for buyers of this it game. It got so bad that Sony and Xbox removed it yeah. from their storefronts, yeah. from their digital storefronts. That's crazy. I ended up getting the game for $5 at Best Buy. Really? Brand new, sealed with one of those steelbooks. PS4? Yeah, the PS4 yeah. copy. Okay. I mean, it's yeah, never been right. released on. I mean, else. there is a PS5 version of the, you can download. There's now. a digital version. Or? So with your PS4 disc, you have access to the PS5 version of the game. But okay. You're essentially downloading a PS5 uh, native copy. Okay. So made for PS5. Gotcha. So you have access to that now. I don't know if like saves transfer or how that works, but something to look into maybe yeah. if you want to play like. The next-gen version. Were they going to release a physical PS5 version, or no? No, just the PS4 yeah. version that's out there. Because there was a sticker on it, on the PS4 version, that said, get the PS5 version of the game. Yeah. But it wasn't ready at launch. Right. It ended up coming, like, several months later. later. Uh, I don't know if I ever bothered to download it. Okay. Um, but I, my copy has that sticker. Yeah. I saw it. Um, also, uh, I wanted to point out, too, that I didn't get, you know, swept up in the hype or anything, but looking at the game, I saw the potential of how unique it was. Right. And I did buy it, you know, day one. Right. This might be the last game I bought day one. Maybe. Really? Uh, no, no, that's not true. <laughs> but um, I went into GameStop. I, like, put money aside, bought the official guide, like the complete official guide, collector's edition, big textbook. Um, I wonder how accurate it is anymore, um, given everything that's happened to the game. Yeah, so a lot has changed in the game, but the mechanics are still the mechanics of right. the game. The characters I just mean, like, the they've added so much. And... Yeah, there's so... This has a lot of, like, checklists and walkthrough of various side jobs and hustles that okay. I'm going to get into, but um, as well as, like, the whole weapon customization thing. 
Now, they added one thing to the game that allows you to equip the clothing that you want mm -hmm. for the stats and stuff, but then equip a separate outfit to be your character's look. So they call this transmog in a lot of games. Yes, and, yeah, and that's the term used, um, which I appreciate. Yeah. Because I could have some goofy-looking stuff yeah. that gives me really good stats, but I look stupid in yeah, it. Yeah, so you want to look cool. Yeah, exactly. You want to theme your outfit. I, I love that they added that, and that was an afterthought for them. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm glad they added that. That was one addition that I welcomed. Um, they, uh, CD Projekt Red, when this came out, like, like I can't emphasize enough how bad it was. Yeah. It was really a problem for a lot of people. So they kind of had like a No Man's Sky sort of situation yeah. where reception was horrible. Yeah. People were upset. And they, you know, sort of apologized and kind of went to work. Yeah. And to that's... To get the game where they wanted it to exactly. be. Exactly. And that's what happened. And they added a lot, uh, I hear, because I yeah. haven't played the story. But um, they added, like... I mean, they fixed the game. Yeah. And then they just had a huge new expansion come out this year to the game, right? Liberty yeah. City or something Liberty like? City. Yeah. Um, they... I noticed that my map, like, in-game... Has a whole bunch of new stuff on it. Uh, like, a whole bunch of new hustles and side jobs. Yeah, they had, like, a 2.0 version of the game. Like, that affected the base game. Yeah. Like, alongside the DLC. So, yeah. like, adding new content. Right. So. Yeah. And that, yeah. So, like, the game wasn't big enough. Right. It was huge. Um, so, what I've been doing... So, when you start the game, uh, you go, you're kind of forced into, like, two missions. And then you get to your apartment. And then it pretty much becomes open world from there. Gotcha. And to start the story, really, the guy that you need to talk to, Jackie, he's sitting at the bottom of the steps at a table um, from your apartment complex, which is your starting point. I still haven't talked to him. <laughs> I still haven't talked to him because I'm, I've been going nuts doing side jobs and hustles. Now, hustles are the points on the map of interest that pop up. You know, these... Basically, side quests. Well, there are side missions, like optional oh, okay. missions, and those are side jobs. So hustles are just like little quick things yeah. you do? Yeah, and there are a bunch of different types. Okay. So there's Assault and Progress, which is like the smallest type, okay. you know. Um, and there's uh, Organized Crime, which is more... that you're. If you go to one of those, you're going to be like... Um, infiltrating something okay like you know it's gonna take you an hour this kind of reminds me of spider-man 2 really or spider-man for ps4 ps5 like there's just these like little they're not quite side quests they're just like brief five to 15 minute distractions yeah pretty much yeah um but by doing so many of them at this point like my character is level 20. My <laughs> weapon is so upgraded that if, if I go do that first story mission, I'm just going to one-shot everyone. Do, does it scale, do you think? Like, does it scale to what you're at? Maybe it won't be as I, big of a breeze as you... What do you... Okay, let's let's get off topic for a second. Sure, yeah. What do you think about games that scale? Like, where it's like, no matter what level you are, it's effectively playing the same way mm -hmm. as it would... At any other level you approach something at. It's a mixed thing for me. Um, I understand it, and I understand why a developer would do that. Yeah. I also understand that if I grinded 
to I'll level be rewarded for that. Yeah, I should be able to just breeze through it. Right. Um, so it's kind of a mixed thing for me. Okay. I'm not like turned off by it. Yeah. It just needs to be applied correctly. Yeah. You know? I agree. Like, I feel like you should have some advantage if you went through the extra effort to get upgrades right. and increase your level and stuff. Exactly. Maybe it shouldn't be like one shotting everything, but right. you should feel powerful. Right. Exactly. You should feel powerful. I can understand maybe the like story missions specifically scale, but everything else doesn't. Or something like that. What's the Sakaguchi Xbox game? Lost Odyssey, uh, right? Lost Odyssey and Blue Dragon. So Lost Odyssey. That game, I was playing it. I need to get back to my playthrough of that. Yeah. But I was playing it, and when you reach a certain level, mm-hmm. like for the section of the game that you're in, enemies start giving like one XP. Yeah. Like the game is basically telling yeah. you, you can't grind anymore. Right. That's a good way to do it, yeah. in my opinion. Like, like, it's like, you have to do this next part at the level you're at. I'd rather that than scaling, to yeah. be honest. You know? That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, he's a genius. Because it's like, it's like, if the game is telling me I'm as high level as I need to be for this next boss battle, yeah. then okay, yeah. I, at least I know that. Right. Yeah. They're taking away the incentive of grinding. Yeah. You know, so at that point, you're really just grinding for items, if they're even dropping anymore. I mean, you could theoretically get 1 to 2 XP and yeah. get a couple extra yeah. levels. Oh, It'll yeah. take you I mean, hours yeah. and You hours. could set up a bot to yeah. go play the game for you and do that, but... Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Okay. I like that, actually. Anyways, back to Cyberpunk. Sure. So, uh... You're yeah. level 20, walking into the, yeah. the first real mission um, of the game. See, I feel like if I were to get around to this game, uh-huh. I would probably put my blinders on mm-hmm. and just mainline the story. Yeah. Because so, when you talk about you've spent 140 hours and you haven't even touched the story, yeah. that's... that's I, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Sure. Like, I'm not even going to change the way I'm playing it. It reminds um, me of how I play, like, Skyrim. Yeah. I barely touch that story in that game, and I just wander around and bump into one event to the Some, next Something's event. happening over yeah. here. And oh. he, there's stuff that's not on the map. Like, you'll see... So there are a lot of different gangs and, and factions. Organized, you know, criminal syndicates, gangs. Um, Tiger Claws, uh, Maelstrom, the Valentinos... Um, Tiger Claw in particular, they're like Japanese. Okay. Um, they, they'll just be a bunch of them hanging out somewhere in mm-hmm. some garage or something. And you'll see them and you'll just go throw a grenade in there, you know? <laughs> like, uh, Is this the kind of game where you can just blow anyone's face off walking down the street? Yeah, okay. So I'll talk about that. So you know how like in Grand Theft Auto, if you start just killing civilians, your wanted meter goes sure. up and the cops are going to be in helicopters at Ooh, some point for you. Yeah. Yeah. First, it's going to be like one or two police units chasing you. Then helicopters. Like if you're up to like four stars or whatever, this game is kills you. Like the cops in this game <laughs> are, cause the cops are actually treated. The game treats the, the PD like a gang. Oh, like, okay. they're, like, an actual faction. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of, like, corruption with the story and stuff. Like, they're in cahoots with different corporations. Sure. And, um, but they have these drones that just fly around and just get right in your face and just headshot, headshot. 
Yeah, it's it's very hard to like survive okay. a police attack like that. So what happens if your character dies? Um, you just go back to your latest save. You yeah, you go back to your apartment. You wake up oh, in your okay. apartment. I think the stuff that you have in storage doesn't disappear, but the stuff you had on you, I think, goes uh, away. I think I haven't actually died. Gotcha. So, but um, or you have died and you're just like F yeah, that, I'm uh, yeah, I reset. <laughs> yeah, um, that's happened a couple times. And the thing is that even though I'm level 20 or whatever level I'm at, um, the, like, I'll just go do more difficult side jobs. They're, they're just on the map, you mm-hmm. know? And so I'm never really feeling like I'm overpowered okay, gotcha. for not having started the story. Now I could go start the story and feel that way. But like, there's other like, hypothetically, do you think you'll ever actually go to the story? It's been three years since this game uh, yeah. came out. So the story intimidates me a little bit because it's very non-linear. It's very, like, decision-making, mm-hmm. affects the story massively. Mm-hmm. People who you don't fail to save like, are dead yeah. when they, you know, in some later event. Well, um, so now that you're so overpowered, though, hopefully you can just yeah save well, everyone. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes you don't know what to do. Uh, and the person just dies. It's, like, too late. Yeah. To like even know that you had to do something to yeah. save them, I had, and it's permanent. So you're paralyzed with fear, basically. You start thinking about the story. I don't. I wouldn't say that. You're, indec- you're paralyzed with indecisiveness. Yeah, eventually I'm gonna get to a point where I'm like, okay, just gotta, uh, yeah, just gotta accept that this is how this game is. Yeah. If I want to see more outcomes. I gotta play it again. It's the kind of game that I get a hankering for, and I go back to. Mm-hmm. It's but, you know. I haven't been able to just sit down and just bust through it. I'm going to, for sure, I'm going to go play the story. Um, There's a romance mechanic where where you actually, like, choose between four or six characters to have a romantic relationship with. Okay. Um, the, The character customization in the beginning, you choose your character's genitals and the size and stuff. Nice. Like, it gets... I, I don't know why... Can you have, but, like, a robot genital? Uh, you can have nothing. Okay. I believe. That's the closest you can get. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, the... So, these are humans that are augmented. Yes. Correct? Yeah, they are. Okay, they're not robots. Correct. Yeah, they're human, organic humans with cyberware. Are ins- there installed. people who are just people? Um, or is is it just so presumed, accepted yeah, that everyone is just everybody is walking around with some okay. degree of cyberware? Uh, presumably, they're. I again, I haven't played the story. There might come up a, a character who's like fully organic or something right. like that. I could just see like the boss of the corporations or something yeah, being like they, totally organic. Yeah, they yeah yeah they sold it to everyone else right, and it's poison. Yeah, um, and it is poison because it does corrupt people. And the lore intensity of this game is insane. Yeah. Um, anytime you kill somebody and they drop, like... You'll collect these shards, they're called. Okay. And they're basically, like, text. You know? Oh, wow. And uh, wow. You'll, you'll find them in places, but some enemies will drop them. Okay, are, like, just random NPCs walking by, like, 100% yeah. unique individuals? Um, no, the NPCs repeat. Oh, but there's okay, a lot gotcha. of variety. Okay. A lot of variety. Um, and I, it's obvious that like the, you know what, now that you mentioned that, I think that they have their character customization system, mm-hmm. uh, write those characters. Right. Cause they're all, it's, you'll see it's the same 
person, but they're wearing different clothes oh, okay. and stuff like that. Um, but they, um, yeah, they're, everybody's walking around with cyberware installed. Um, some degree of it. Some people look like a robot, mm -hmm. like a full blown. Like they look more robot yeah. than man. Right, exactly. Um, and a lot of the lore involves cyberware, um, black market cyberware, mm -hmm. cyberware that's like illegally harvested from, you know, human trafficking, basically. Okay. And um, a lot of these side jobs and hustles and stuff. Uh, involve you infiltrating like these operations where they're actually dissecting people. Okay, are you a good person? Are you like playing like a? That's up to you. Okay, that is hundred percent up to so, you. So like, if you drop into one of these like human trafficking situations, uh, no. If you're in the mission, you're gonna go kill everybody. You know, you're or you're okay. not kill everybody. The game actually rewards stealth. Heavily okay. reward stealth. Okay. So if you can successfully kill the person you're intended to kill mm -hmm. without being detected by anyone else, you actually get rewards for that. Unless the mission details tell you you need to go smoke these guys. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, uh, there were a couple missions where I actually successfully did it. Okay. That's not my play style in like right. action games. I'm more of a Rambo type. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, like, a lot. Um, so, uh, sometimes I'll just be like, screw the extra yeah. gun that I get. Right. Yeah, you know? a little bonus check right. mark at the end of the mission. Exactly. Um, Does it let you replay missions? Or, like, once you've done a mission? It's gone. It's okay. off the map. Gotcha. Yeah. And um, characters, like I said, that die in, in side jobs and stuff won't appear when they appear later. Right. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, there's a lot of different hustles. So side jobs are like extra missions that are optional. Hustles are the ones that appear on the map. And okay. yeah, there's assault in progress, organized crime, psychos or cyber psycho sightings, which are a special one where basically lore wise, their, you know, cyberware has caused this condition that so they're some implanted. Get. it's almost like how people today they think they're buying some drugs and then they're laced with something else maybe yeah so fentanyl it, or whatever it causes them to die right. or like you know or something bad their, goes yeah something happens to them that's what happens these people turn into basically like murderous zombies okay with you know enhanced abilities right. and so you have to go kill them and some of those are extremely difficult okay um, and there's also like treasure spots on the map. Uh, there's Easter eggs, which are basically a dead body that's like hidden somewhere okay. with a bunch of loot on it. Okay. And those will usually have a shard and a lot of the shards dropped by people will be a correspondence. Mm -hmm. So it'll be like a text conversation. So you glean a lot of information from reading those about like how there's a lot of drug dealing they have this drug in the game called glitter okay. that's like the the big party drug okay thing. and it it kills a lot of people <laughs> like it's a bad drug to take um but you'll read about how like that there another thing that they do is called uh brain dance which is like this virtual experience that they do for entertainment 
and it's literally like a in your head experience okay like um and there was one dead body i found he was providing a like a snuff film experience of inside his brain no this was like so somebody murdered uh some like the mayor's kid or something like that or one of sounds like a great place some pastor's son or something (laughs) got like you know okay is there religion in the game yeah okay a lot of characters there's this one guy that thinks he's a prophet and he's saying stuff and you can choose to like give him a donation and stuff um the valentinos i think are religious i haven't really encountered them too much because i'm still you know you got to progress the story to get access to other areas and those other areas are turfs of like Mm. gangs i haven't really got to experience yet but um the uh what was i talking about now (laughs) sorry uh it's okay um no oh yeah so this one easter egg body i found had like talking about how the guy died um he was a provider of like brain dance material like homebrew brain dance material and one thing that he was peddling was this snuff experience of this pastor's son that got kidnapped and it got recorded as a brain dance mm. you know and so you can like relive the yeah re- yeah you can experience being in the room mm. with that um yeah it's it's yeah it's just a crazy game and the world is so unique compared to we look at like the game awards and all those trailers mm-hmm. well they won but, an award this year yeah they did yeah for best continuing game or something like that but um with the world premieres so many of them just felt i you know like the same game all of them look great mm-hmm. you know but <laughs> you're trying to be nice you know no i'm not they look freaking great yeah. every single one of them but none of them stand out as, like, mm. super memorable, aside from the ones I mentioned in that episode. Right. This, when you look at this world, it's like nothing else exists like this. See, I, I wonder if CD Projekt Red, the developer, is going to continue to explore this new IP that they've created. Mm-hmm. Or if they're moving on or do you oh i think they said they're making a new witcher game which they said they were done with originally oh really but i think maybe because cyberpunk sort of was yeah mixed bag at launch they were like uh let's go back to the witcher right they're quick to pull that move but um hopefully they do bring it back i think it's a successful game now yeah um but yeah i'd love to see more of this but anyways yeah that that guy it is Thick. It's thick, yeah. It's and very thick. Half of it is appendixes. Yeah. Um, appendixes or appendices? See, uh, I guess appendices, whatever. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of information. Vehicles, like, I haven't even touched on uh, weapons. You know, there's a lot in Can there. you just, like, hop in someone's car? Yeah, you can yeah. carjack someone. Oh, nice. Uh, there's a certain skill level you have to get uh, okay. to, for certain vehicles. Do you have your own personal car? Uh, you can collect vehicles later oh, in the okay, game. okay, gotcha. Yeah, I haven't gotten to that, but I know you can. Um, but anyways, yeah, so that's Cyberpunk 2077 in a bit of a nutshell. <laughs> um, but, uh, we have some other topics that I want to move on. Um, one thing that I want to talk to you about, and 
this is really not a super serious topic, but something that we've both discussed and witnessed and experienced. I'm witnessing it right now. Yeah, I'm wearing mine. That is these sort of gamer t-shirts. At least that's what we've... So gamers with attitude. Yeah. They're like, so gamer Gamertood is kind of what we've called them in the past. But it's these shirts that aren't really game shirts. It's not right. an officially licensed game shirt right. where I'm wearing like a Streets of Rage shirt or a, a certain console. Although there it's, are, there were, I should say, game officially licensed gamer tude shirts. There were. Don't make me go With Zelda. Zelda on, on you. you. Yeah, yeah that, I wore that shirt a lot in yeah, high school. <laughs> high school, yeah. So those are a little different. I would still collect those. Yeah. Um, because it was the hot topic era. Yeah. Of oh yeah. Of Nintendo. But then there are like a ton of just generic ones. Yes. And you're wearing one of those generic yes. ones right now. I have this one. I'm going to describe it for everyone. It's okay. So the background is like splattered paint on his. <laughs> All edgy and, yeah. and distressed looking. On this like dark gray t shirt, the splattered paint is like a very light gray. And it says, leave this to the professional. And in between leave this and to the professional. It's got like a very generic outline of like a game controller. Like a silhouette. Yeah. And, silhouette. But like generic for sure. Like yeah. It's literally just the shape. I mean, it, it most closely resembles, I guess, like a PlayStation controller, but it has like sort of the Xbox I, or SNES Xbox. layout. But what's unique is that there's just a D-pad. Right. No, <laughs> and no then sticks. four buttons. Yeah. So it is like an SNES controller. <laughs> yeah. But it has like the, it just, the protruding like wrist rest areas that modern controllers have today. Surely you guys have seen these in the stores. You know, you see them at yeah. clothing stores. I mean, E three, the merch booth was mostly filled with these yes. kinds of shirts. Yeah. So I I wrote down E three two thousand nine because yeah. that was the year that we went in and got yeah. to experience the merch, and it was yeah a lot of just. You know, I'm a gamer, so what? Yeah. <laughs> or, or like, <laughs> homework can wait. Yeah. Or, you know, something like I'm that. I'm playing games. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, we have rolled our eyes pretty hard. But then, yeah, I think about how I used to wear the Don't Make Me Go Zelda on you shirt, which was not something I would wear today. No. No. No, don't. And I remember there, uh, there don't was Don't let a, me catch you in that. There was a girl in high school who I was wearing that shirt one day, and she walked out to me and she's like, don't make me go Zelda on you, huh? Speaking of that shirt, that was the day that we first interacted for the first time. Well, ever. I wore that shirt probably once a week if not every right. other week or something like that but it was because of that shirt that i first started talking to you so yeah freshman year of high school it's like nearly the end of the year we're in algebra class right yeah algebra right. one yeah algebra one and i don't know i guess i don't know if rick is just noticing it for the first time <laughs> or if he's like finally working up the courage he's like it's about to be summer i better make my move yeah and he's like, hey, you like The Legend of Zelda? <laughs> <laughs> that was the first words ever yeah. spoken between us. Yeah, we had a whole class together. I never never noticed Rick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's too busy watching some idiots run around the classroom all day. Yeah, we had a few of those. <laughs> but yeah, that was a... 
That was those yeah. were the first words that started it all. Yeah, the Bit Beacon wouldn't exist if Rick hadn't walked up to me that day and asked you about that shirt. Yeah. So gamer two shirts. You know, making dreams come true. Yeah. Um, just changing lives. Yeah. There's got to be some value. Credit where credits due. Credit where credits due. Gamer shirt, des- gamer two shirt designers. Thank you. Yes, but yeah. I've seen some. Wow, really... dude, that's crazy. If we really think about it, yeah, it all came down to a gamer two shirt. Yeah, it did. Um, <laughs> that one was probably like if I had to pick a gamer two shirt to wear, it would be that the, one. Yeah, it would be that because I've seen some really cringy ones. Oh yeah, I God, I wish I knew that we were talking about this because I've seen some like super obnoxious yeah it's like like offensive like go for it like what i don't have any examples because like, i didn't okay, know, you know this it was doesn't have notes. to be an, an exact example but what was the vibe uh i don't know probably like like i don't know shooting or something i, I don't know stuff like that yeah, I'm sorry. You're putting me on the spot here. And yeah. I'm not ready to talk this about this. This is why you got to review the notes. Well, dude, the notes were finished at 1.48 in the morning. Okay. Well, this morning. Yeah. I've been at work all day. That was a long time ago. Okay, here's a good one. Gamer nutritional facts. And it's it looks like it's a nutritional like, yeah. guideline. Um, <laughs> if it doesn't involve video games, then I don't care. Yeah, there you go. That's a great one. Yeah, that's that's what we're talking about um, when we say gamertude. Gaming mode activated. Yeah, there. <laughs> I paused my game to be here. That's a good one to wear when you're out with your family. Yeah, yeah, that's. Um, oh, there's one that's like a heartbeat, but it's like the game controller cable, mm-hmm. and it's like got the boop boop. Yeah. See again, generic. It's a yeah. generic controller. It's not over yet, and it's got a gamer with like the resistance hand holding a controller, right. with the R.I.P. headstone in the background. Right. Does, yeah, so, I mean, these shirts are everywhere, obviously. Yeah. We see them. Taylor and I collect game t-shirts, but we go for the official ones. We go for the ones that are about a certain game, are about a certain console. You know, I'm sort of developing a nostalgia for these shirts all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah. It's like I almost want some. Yeah, just because of how bad they are. Yeah, like for the irony. Yeah, exactly. Or when I go see like a band or something. I have this one, I guess. I, this one, I keep it because leave it to the professional. It's got a controller and there's kind of a double meaning. You are, like, you, you know, know, you make games. Yeah. So, so just, you know, kind of fits if yeah. I see how yeah. you could justify it. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm where you're at, like. You kind of start getting nostalgic. Yeah, after. it's Because like, uh, we've rolled our eyes and dismissed these hard yeah. in the past. Um, but yeah. Now I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Maybe I should have one. Yeah. One, just one. <laughs> but yeah, Gamer 2 t-shirts. Uh, <laughs> super important. This has been a fun episode. You know, we're just like going from one random topic to the next. Yeah. Um, learning about your elitism. Yeah. Uh, not elitism, purism. I'm not an elite. Like, I don't consider myself above the rest. Right. But I do, you know, I'm passionate about... Purity. Purity. Uh, in <laughs> retro games. Just uh, retro games. Uh, and modern games. Game collecting. Game collecting. Okay. People do it wrong. I know. Some people do it wrong. Okay? That's just a fact. Um, so... Okay, I love that somehow... 
you consider yourself a purist when it comes to retro games, mm-hmm. but you don't want the box and manual. Yeah, so... That's like the most... It doesn't make any sense. That's something that is unique to me, um, because my purpose is for my collection. Um, right. And I, yeah, I don't... I don't want a $300 cardboard box. I don't. I don't want that. Right, but if like... If I have one, I'll sell it. Okay, so you go to the swap meet, you find some $500 game. Mm -hmm. The games were $200. The boxes were $300. And some guy was selling it for $10. You buy it. Yeah, of course. You're going to eBay and you're selling the box? Uh, it depends if I need the money. I mean, I, boxes are nice collect, we've talked about, this will be a topic for a future episode, but we've talked about collectible trash and boxes Boxes are not collectible trash. Yeah, they are. No, they're the top tier of collectible trash. No. Yes. The game comes inside of it. It was how the game was distributed. You can't just sell a disc, a loose disc. Yeah, but it's not like, then is the cellophane not trash? Because it was shipped with the game. I mean, if you can keep the cellophane on there, keep it on there, I guess. Well, then what's the difference between a steelbook and a game case, then? Well, a game case is plastic and made of last. I'm not talking about about what it's made of. You said a steelbook is a piece of memorabilia. Yeah. So collectible trash. Uh, no. Memorabilia and collectible trash are two different things. Okay, but a game case is the highest form of collectible trash. Correct. No, no. That's what you just said. A box. What's the difference between a box and a game case? That's, that's just, that's the box that they came in. Yeah. The case is a box. Right. Of a disposable material. Paper and plastic are both disposable. Yeah. A disposable material that's biodegradable. Your plastic game cases are not going to degrade. Your your box, I don't care if you keep it in the most pristine condition, uh-huh. it will disintegrate. Like, it will disintegrate. Okay. Yeah, making it like a temporary material. Like, it's disposable. You guys are spending $500 on an empty box. I've never spent $500 on a box. $300. I've never spent $300 on a box. Hey, I don't care what you've spent. Uh Pokemon Red boxes have gone for $300. Yes, just the box. Yeah, just the box. You're spending that and it's going to like degrade itself. It's going, it's... I mean, a $300 Pokemon Red box is like a pristine box. It's... It's a temporary material. It's all temporary, baby. I mean, yeah, if you want to... The earth is going to explode and all your plastic and metal <laughs> is going to be gone. But um, that's not what I'm talking about. Right. I'm talking about biodegradability. We're getting way off topic. Well, you brought us here. I know I did. I was just bringing... Because all of a sudden you were calling that trash and then that memorabilia and I was confused. Yeah, there's a difference between paper boxes and plastic game cases there's a difference there but a game you're just calling it it's a plastic box okay all right so they're both boxes okay one is made of paper one is made of plastic right i don't think just because of the material it's made of 
it's not just as equally valuable or the same thing. Okay. I right. mean, I get... I I understand the value right. of the box. I want to hear from the audience on this. Okay. All right. Audience members, you know who you are. Yeah. Is there a difference between game cases with for discs and Switch cartridges and DS along with... Uh, not is there a difference. Yeah. Is there a difference? No. That's, that's, that's not what I'm asking. But it's, that's what it's coming down to. Okay. Is there a difference? Yes. They're made of different materials. Yeah. Okay, no one's denying that they're made of different materials. Right. That's not the question being but, asked. But if one is made of paper, uh-huh. that's clearly not made to last and wasn't intended okay, to the last. The question I'm asking the audience is, Are they? do they serve the same purpose? They were used to distribute and hold okay, the game. That is has nothing to say about the collectability of either. I would say something that's more... Uh, prone to like having is like more valuable and more interest. Like the reason why boxes are expensive is because they're easily destroyed. They're because people didn't take care of them and they right. tossed them. Right. Like because they didn't think much of them at the time. Because they were trash. That's no. why. That's why they threw them away. I mean, well, first of all, my mom threw away all my PS One. Yeah. Game. Uh, Those are plastic. That's different. That's your mom, like, uh, we don't need these. But But that's not like this is trash. Yeah, it it never occurred to me that those boxes were trash. Maybe it occurred to you that cardboard boxes were trash, but it never occurred to me. I mean, they weren't intended. Like, they had the art on it, just the same way the game cases have the art on it Yeah, they did. So does the piece of paper that comes in, you know, packaged with... I don't know, Mario toy. That doesn't make it not trash just because it has art on it. Okay, Categor- I'm speaking categorically. I'm not calling it trash. I'm not saying you should throw your box away. Okay. You know, that. but categorically... I feel like this is stemming... It's going... some. As a child, you threw away your paper boxes. And so, to justify to yourself today that you threw it all away... Like you've decided that you, paper okay, boxes you make are it trash. sound like that's just me. I I did that. No, most people did that. Okay, so you're admitting only you that's nut what jobs you did. kept them. Uh, but okay. if they were plastic, you would have kept them. Yeah, and I did. <laughs> okay. okay, case closed, everyone. So, no, not case closed. I don't I don't want paper boxes, and that's not because I threw mine away. Uh, I don't want them. Like that was not designed. Like, the intention was not to be kept. The intention was not to be kept. Yeah. And you're, you're deciding that for the publishers? I mean... The intention they, of the box They wouldn't have made it kept. out of paper if they wanted you to keep it or if they intended for oh my it God. to have that purpose. The assumptions on assumptions here, man. Yeah, but you, so are you. You're making assumptions, too. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. No. You're assuming that, like, oh, we need to keep this. I'm not assuming that we need to keep this. I'm assuming that they designed it to hold the game. They did design it to hold the game and while be it's on in the shelves. Store. While it's in the store. All right, dude. All right. Uh, we're well, not... Books are made of paper, so I guess they're disposable too. No. <laughs> this is not like because no. it's glossy. No. Like the. This is a whole different thing. Dude. All right, Rick. What does twenty twenty four have in store for gaming? 
You have some predictions here. Yeah. So, I expect to see some Nintendo console details coming out. Now, that could be a reveal from Nintendo. God, it better be a reveal. More, I mean, more likely and or, you know, it's going to be both details coming out. Oh. Coming out. Do you think that, do you think we're actually getting it this year? Uh, I don't know. With Nintendo, it's like, it feels like the time to do it, but it's Nintendo, so they're going to do whatever they're going to do. If I had to put money, I'm going to say 2025. Really? Yeah. Oh, that like, if it's 2025, that hurts. Not really. I can wait. I mean, I can, I'll wait. But it's just like, I feel like we're noticing less and less third-party games hitting Switch now. Like, a lot of the stuff that's being announced mm-hmm. does not have Switch on the, the, you know, the game console screen at the end of the trailer. Yeah, but that, I mean, is so that the, really indicative, though? Because how would they know? Like, how would a publisher, third-party, like, developer and stuff know? Well, I mean, we know that Nintendo has been sharing. Right. I, okay, yeah. so maybe they're just like, okay, Switch is done, right? or not worth porting to. Um, or like games are struggling. I mean, look at Pokemon, man. Scarlet and Violet, talked about it before, but I mean, like, I've seen some wacky stuff just playing the new DLC, mm-hmm. like just a pop-in. You're talking about like performance. Performance right? and just like graphical pop-in and just all kinds of like, like embarrassing. Yeah, it like, is embarrassing. Where it's like, I'm not kidding you. Full three second freezes where yeah. I'm like, did my switch just crash? Right, and I'm like trying to press the home button and stuff, and then like the game just unfreezes. Right, and I'm like, that's nuts. Yeah, that's nuts. That yeah. this is like a release candidate. Yeah, yeah. It it's <laughs> like the worst performing Pokemon game I've ever seen. I mean, it's the most ambitious Pokemon game. Yeah, that's true. Too. At the same but, time, I mean. Legends Arceus was a big game, pretty did not have, pretty similar. Yeah, didn't have any of this. Yeah, I don't know what happened. And now you can argue, well, Scarlet and Violet's bigger. Yeah. yeah. Well, we should see a little bit of what we see in Arceus yeah. because it's a you know, it's in part like what that game is. But yeah, I I don't know what to make of. I'm like, gonna say 2024. I'm gonna say it's gonna be in our hands by the end of. 2024 yeah okay yeah maybe maybe that's the case um so you think you're gonna get a release next year i think or this before spring is over i think whenever they announce it within five months it'll be in our hands okay okay yeah that leaves room for 2024 i don't do you think they're that far along with developing the console i think so Okay. Well, we heard about two demos being played on it, so yeah. that would mean it's running. I think components are being manufactured. Yeah. Final assembly is just not quite there yet. All right, I might switch my my vote. To I mean, I do think it, Nintendo could just be like, nah. Yeah, they they could do that. <laughs> um, they do what they want to do. Regardless, something is going to come out. Be it details, be it reveals, be it, you know... Um, Nintendo Direct Mm -hmm. stuff about it. We're going to see more of the Nintendo console. I also think we're going to see more of an industry focus on streaming. Okay, when you say streaming, are you talking like PlayStation Portal streaming? Are you talking about like 
streaming a game from Sony servers. I'm talking about streaming as a technology. Mm. So, including both. Okay, gotcha. Um, Which, you know, we can think of Portal as part of the push towards streaming. And I think we did in the episodes where we talked about it. Even though it's not streaming from Sony server, it is still getting streaming technology in the hands of gamers. Right. And it's trying to normalize that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I expect to see more of a push in that direction and, uh, yeah, more hardware coming out that supports it. Um, and I also expect to see something that will fill the vacuum that E3 kind of left in its wake. On that scale? Maybe not. No, maybe not. Um, but there is... We were talking about Summer Games Fest last week. Right. Here's or my two weeks ago, I should say. Here's what I think. There was some of E3 that was just unnecessary. We didn't need it. And that was a big part of E3's problem. Mm-hmm. I think what we did need from E3, which is now gone, there is still going to be a need for. And someone's going to fill that portion. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So like There's a need for the industry to come together. Yeah. It has to happen. In Los Angeles. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to see your face. Oh, man. If it was like in New York or something. Every year. Every year. I mean, that would be a bummer. <laughs> that would... I mean, I feel like it doesn't make sense to do it in New York. Because you have Japan. Yeah. They're closer to the West Coast. I mean, it could also be in Japan. Well, we do have events in Japan that are oh yeah Tokyo Game Show. And I stuff. mean, it's weird, though. Like, American events will attract, like, an international... Like, I feel like there's not as many Western devs going to Tokyo Game Show mm-hmm. as there were, like, Japanese devs coming to, like, E3. Yeah, I guess that's right. I think a lot of European developers went to Tokyo Game Show. I think they would go to their, like, Gamescom. Oh, yeah, they have Euro... Games Fest yeah. or whatever, yeah. the Lice Pig Games Fest That's or whatever. Right. And um, then they would come to E3, too, but... Yeah, I, I guess E3 really was, and, yeah, I mean, I don't guess. It was the hub Yeah, it for was. the industry. Yeah, like the whole world. Yeah. So, under one roof. Um, maybe that does end up being the Game Awards. Or Summer Games Fest. Or, yeah... Aren't they kind of... They're connected, right? Well, yeah, they're both run by Jeff Keighley. Right. But, like, Summer Games Fest is supposed to be, like, the announcement, and they've started dabbling in, like, having demos and stuff, like, for people to come see. But so far, it's just been, like, media and influencers only. Right. But Summer Games Fest doesn't have the namesake that E3 had. No. I mean, there's been, like, four Summer Games Fest now, though, so they're... right. Uh, yeah, they're, they're slowly building. building. Yeah. So that's why that's on my list. I expect to. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very curious to see what Summer Games Fest does this year. Do right. they finally rent a big space and try to like actually sell tickets to, for people to come play? Right. If they do that, I'm there. Like, yeah. Oh um, yeah. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. So what do you expect to see in 2024 for gaming? Well, like I said earlier, I didn't really have time to check the notes too much today. Well, um, you're on the spot. So um. I mean, I talked about what I feel like Nintendo's going to do. I think 2024 is the year where this does happen, mm-hmm. where we get the next Nintendo console. Um, aside from that, I don't really have any 
major predictions or anything. I, I haven't spent too much time thinking about what 2024 will hold quite yet. Do you see any kind of shifts or anything uh, happening? Mm, I mean, we talk, you know, we talk about in the last episode, like layoffs and things like that. I think there's probably more upheaval. Yeah. And that will continue. I think that that will continue. I think there will probably be some shocking layoffs. Yeah. Like maybe where it's closer to home for some people, Mm -hmm. you know, um, um, CEO stepping down, maybe. Yeah, I mean, this year was crazy. Yeah. Well, why not next year? <laughs> um, you know what I will say is that if you're working for Nintendo, like you got to have one of the most secure jobs in the industry. Yeah, because you really don't hear about Nintendo laying off ever. Well, maybe Nintendo doesn't want you to hear about them. <laughs> I mean, people talk though, dude. Right. After they yeah, lose their job, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. I think Nintendo's pretty secure. Their pipeline's good. You know, they just move people from one project onto the next one. Mm-hmm. So there's just that security and stability. What do you think will happen with live service games next year? Do you think it'll be bigger or do you think it'll be... I, I wonder if maybe we'll see some of these things that like Sony's been baking, you mm-hmm. know. It might still be a little too early given that the live service kind of push has only really been the last couple of years and we know games take like five years to make now yeah um so i don't know if we'll have any more major developments or upsets there i mean there there will be new live service games next year yeah things that we don't know about yeah i do wonder if they'll be like kind of smaller startup kind of you know mm-hmm. like hopefuls or if it's going to be like big industry members making their first live service game right. or not um I don't think there's going to be... Do you think there will, will be more than this past year? I think less? we're still at critical mass yeah. for live service games. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I think the people who dabble in live service are busy with yeah. the live service games they already have. Right. I just... I don't know that there's enough fall-off from these games to entice players away who've already been investing so much time and money into some of these live service games yeah. where it's like they're just going to walk away from it right. and go try a new one that might not be around three months from now. Right. Like if you found a live service game and it has like a really good base around it and it's like, there's the sort of security and mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, I know this game isn't going away for the foreseeable future. Um, then you're probably more likely to like not want to leave it because you've yeah. already invested time into it. You've already invested money into it. And there's like, Ooh, here's a shiny new thing, but right. You already have power in the game. Yeah. As a high level character. Yeah. You're not starting out. From right. scratch again um yeah i i would hope to start see start, start seeing that shrink yeah you know i i want to see i mean sony's gonna put these games out they got a, like 11 that they're working on yeah i know so i mean eventually they're gonna see the light of day yeah hope i mean hopefully yeah at, at least insomniac is given the you know freedom to work on their first person or right i mean insomniac and naughty dog their live service games are done yeah like, there's not coming out but anyways yeah so we're looking forward to seeing what 2024 is gonna yeah offer us. new year new yeah. games new events new news new events yeah i'm sure it'll be exciting that's it and transmission <laughs>